You're listening to the official Dietitian Connection podcast. This podcast gives you access to the most successful and influential experts in the dietetic profession. This podcast will inspire you, it will challenge you, and it will empower you to become a nutrition leader and realize your dreams. Welcome to today's Dietitian Connection podcast. My name is Marie Ferguson and I'm the founder and director of Dietitian Connection. It's my pleasure today to have Katie Brown from the uh, National Dairy Council with me. Uh, Katie is a registered dietitian nutritionist. She's the Senior Vice President of Sustainable Nutrition at National Dairy Council. And prior to that, she served as the Chief Global Nutrition Strategy Officer and National Education Director for the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics Foundation. And that's where I met Katie um, quite a few years ago now at the Academy. And uh, we'll get into talking a little bit about that as we progress in our conversation today. So welcome and thanks for joining us, Katie. Oh, thank you, Marie. It's really great to be here. I am a big fan of your bot of your podcast. I listen to many, many of them. Well, thank you. Yeah, we try to share different people's stories and inspire younger dietitians for also alternative career paths within dietetics. So, and you've certainly had that. So, I'm really looking forward to exploring your career journey with you today. Great. So, let's go all the way back. And uh, why did you decide to become a dietitian, Katie? Oh, yeah, great question. And, you know, I'm always interested to hear how dietitians decide to become dietitians. And, you know, often they'll tell you that they've had a significant aha moment or an important interaction with a dietitian that motivated them to follow that path. I did not have those experiences. And I didn't know that I wanted to become a dietitian at a young age. I would say I kind of stumbled into it. You know, I took an intro to nutrition class at, at college out of uh, just out of interest and curiosity before I knew what a dietitian was or that a career in nutrition was an option. But I really became fascinated by the connection of food and nutrients and their impact on health. And so becoming a dietitian was a way to continue to learn about the power of food and nutrition to optimize health and reduce risk for disease and put that knowledge into practice. And you know, that fascination was a constant throughout my undergraduate and graduate school and, and throughout my years in the field. Um, and, you know, it's, it's really hard to identify anything that rivals food and the nutrients in food when it comes to factors impacting our health, either in a positive way or in a negative way. And so being a registered dietitian, it's really such a great way for us to have a positive impact on the lives of others. Yeah, most definitely. And so then when you graduated as a dietitian, sort of where did you start out and where did you go from there? Oh, yeah. You know, as you were saying at the beginning, there are so many alternative career paths. And I think one of the best things about our profession is that as dietitians, we have so many career options. You know, I've, I've been fortunate to have a very fulfilling career with many amazing experiences that have made a huge impact on me and have allowed me to make a positive difference, I think, as well. Um, you know, in, in our field, you can literally combine nutrition with any interest and, and create a career out of it. And I think, Marie, you're a great example of this too. Um, and like you and like many dietitians, I started as a clinical dietitian at a hospital as my first professional job out of college. I really enjoyed clinical nutrition. I became a certified nutrition support dietitian and enjoyed the team approach to treating patients in critical care. Um, and then I was recruited to join the faculty at a university to teach in an undergraduate dietetics program. And I, I really love teaching nutrition and, and actually I'm still teaching 
a couple of undergraduate nutrition courses through a local community college. And after about five years at the university, another professor and I decided to start a nutrition consulting company. And that was also great fun. <laughs> and we, uh, when we first started, you know, we never said no to any job that came our way. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we, early on, we primarily did a lot of long-term care consulting and menu writing and menu analysis. And, um, and while that side of the business was growing, we started doing a lot of corporate wellness consulting and, um, it allowed us to create wellness programs and hire dietitians to deliver those programs in some of the largest companies in our city. And then we also did some consulting for a really small nonprofit organization that taught nutrition education and hands-on cooking classes in low-income neighborhoods. And that was very rewarding as well. And then I picked up a consulting contract with the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, which really set my career on a completely different trajectory. And I think we, you know, maybe we'll talk more about that. Yes. And now I'm, yeah, I'm Go currently ahead. with the, the National Dairy Council as a senior director, senior vice president of sustainable nutrition and working on behalf of America's dairy farmers and dairy farm families, which is really such a privilege and so rewarding. So, you know, my career has been less of a straight path and more like a journey of many twists and turns, you know, but all very fulfilling. Yeah. And you've had sort of four or five different, you know, careers <laughs> within one career. And that's what I love about dietetics is that you can do different things um, at different stages. So along the way, you did a do- doctoral degree in education, which um, sort of what made you decide to do that? Um, imagine yeah. it was during your university days, college days. It started there, but it, it truly was uh, earning a doctoral degree was a personal goal. And it's certainly not required, you know, to be successful in our profession, but it, it truly was a personal goal of mine. And there was a local university that offered a doctorate degree in education, which I thought would be a, a really good complement to my undergraduate and master's degrees in nutrition and dietetics. And so that ended up being a, a really good choice that cohort of students, you know, that I, that I went through that program with were all educators or school administrators and people I would never have had the opportunity to interact with if it weren't for that program. And so I gained a lot from my classmates as well as from the faculty and the coursework in education. And, you know, my role as a dietitian is heavily focused on education and educating. Mm -hmm. And I think probably most dietitians would say the same, you know, the topic and the audience might be different, but for many of us, we do a lot of nutrition education with our patients, clients, health professional colleagues, you know, friends, family. Mm-hmm. So it really was a good addition to my repertoire of uh, nutrition education. And then how did you get your start at the academy then, which, you know, you were there for almost 10 years. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I was first hired as a contractor and that that job was to lead the development of an in-school program where dietitians worked as nutrition coaches. Um, So we worked with kids and uh, teachers and school staff and parents and the community on the importance of energy balance. So, you know, really promoting both healthy eating and being physical activity. So we developed and tested a curriculum aimed at improving students' food and nutrition and physical activity, knowledge, and attitudes and behaviors. Um, And the goal of that was really to promote healthy body weight and prevent childhood obesity. Um, Also to establish healthy school environments and in-school wellness policies. And so while that very small pilot program, you know, started just in a local community, it was successful. And um, we were able to expand that program 
around the country to several different locations in the U.S. And so my consulting with the Academy Foundation kept growing. And within a couple of years, um, they created a staff position and hired me as their uh, national education director. And was it from there that you went on to become the chief global nutrition strategy officer? Yeah, yeah. Again, as, as you were saying, you know, many twists and turns, even within my role at the academy, I had mm-hmm. kind of wore different hats there. Um, so started out again as that contractor, but but in that role as the nutrition education director or the, the national education director, I, I helped launch a couple of national initiatives. The first one was called Kids Eat Right. And that that initiative was to empower dietitians to become more involved and more accessible in childhood obesity prevention efforts. And uh, the foundation received a, an educational grant from National Dairy Council, a very long-standing partner, and we used uh, those funds to create awareness of the issue as well as uh, develop educational programs and toolkits and other resources and awarded many grants to dietitians to get involved in outreach efforts in communities all over the country. And several other companies and donors contributed to that Kids Eat Right initiative over the years, which allowed us to create a whole portfolio of, of resources and work, including some research studies and some validated educational tools, um, one of which was called uh, Genie, the Guide for Effective Nutrition Interventions and Education, which is a, a tool to help, help you design uh, quality nutrition education programs. And then we also created a and, and validated a uh, checklist tool called Dana, which uh, is designing and assessing nutrition education handouts. Both of those uh, validated tools were published in the Journal of the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. So, you know, we did a lot of a lot of body of work uh, with with that Kids Eat Right initiative, and then. In 2012, again, with an educational grant from longtime partner National Dairy Council, the Academy Foundation launched another national initiative called the Future of Food. And the purpose of that initiative was to raise awareness of food insecurity as a public health issue and to increase access to adequate amounts of healthy food for all Americans. And that Future of Food initiative was the first time the Academy had a national partnership with Feeding America, which is the uh, the nation's largest domestic hunger relief organization in the U.S. It has a network of over 200 food banks across the country. So this was another important initiative where we created opportunities for dietitians to get involved in their local communities through educational outreach and toolkits and resources and, and mini grants and research programs. And through that that initiative, we also awarded a a couple of fellowships. The first one was a a full-time one-year fellowship uh, we called the Agriculture, Nutrition, and Health Fellowship. And that was awarded to a a dietitian, Chris Vogliano. You you may know him. He's a really up-and-coming leader in the space. And we worked closely with Chris on hosting a convening on this topic, you know, combining ag, nutrition, and health. Um, we hosted that co- that convening at Academy headquarters and then published a proceedings paper from that, which helped to identify roles for dietitians in this in this interesting intersection of ag nutrition and health. Now we call this sustainable nutrition, mm-hmm. um, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. Um, yeah, and it, so it must be amazing to be involved at all those national programs at that level. Well, it really was. And, you know, the um, the foundation um, was very supportive. The board of directors was very supportive and actually expanded the scope of that project or of that initiative to address global food security as well. And again, that really helped 
um, the academy to have more of an international presence. Um, one one example of that was um, we awarded uh, another fellowship in that international space. The first time the academy the academy awarded an international fellowship, um, which we sent um, Janice Giddens, another amazing dietitian, to Rwanda for a year to work in partnership with a nonprofit organization called Gardens for Health. And her project was to develop an antenatal nutrition program with physicians at health clinics to promote adequate nutrition during that, you know, really important first thousand days of life. So, you know, addressing food security quickly leads to addressing food systems and sustainability. And um, that really became a major focus of the Future of Food Initiative and, and one that the Academy is now really addressing and focusing on. So, mm-hmm. so those are some of the big roles that I had. And then the final role that I had at the Academy was um, this as the staff lead to help plan the Academy's new strategic plan. Um, so the Academy turned 100, 100 years old as yeah. an association wow. back in 2017. And so we spent a couple of years really looking back at the past hundred years and then charting a new strategic focus for the next hundred years. And, you know, like no small pressure, you (laughs) definitely don't want to mess up strategic planning for a hundred years for your professional association. So that was a a big challenge, but a big opportunity as well. And that's where we met, I think. So I was on the nutrition care process terminology committee for the Academy. And I, I think we met during your time in that role. So what was sort of your, I guess, mission and vision during that time? other than obviously no pressure doing the next <laughs> strategic plan, but from a global perspective. Right. Yeah. So the, um, so the strategic plan really helped to chart a, a future forward look for the Academy and the, and the direction for the profession. Um, it was very um, global in perspective. It was collaborative in nature, et cetera. And um, one of the three focus areas was on um, food and nutrition security and safety. And so, um, you know, solving global food and nutrition security requires a, a lot of collaboration uh, by many stakeholders in many different sectors, one of which is nutrition. And a, a lot of countries have strong training programs and pathways for dietitians. You know, Australia is one of them, but a lot of countries don't. And so in, in that role as the chief global nutrition strategy officer, I was really motivated to pursue entry points for dietitians in the U.S. and around the world to have a a larger and more collaborative voice in this issue of global food and nutrition security. So I can give you an example. One of those examples was in 2015, um, the Academy and Foundation collaborated with dietetic leaders from other countries for a small convening in Amsterdam um, with the EFAD conference. EFAD is the European Federation of Associations of Dietitians. And we invited Lawrence Haddad, who at that time was the head of IFPRI and co-author of the Global Nutrition Report. He's now the executive director of GAIN, the Global Alliance for Improved Nutrition. But Lawrence said that before he came to our meeting, he was not aware of what dietitians do. He was not aware of any of our professional associations. But, you know, during his his, uh, homework, I guess, ahead of time and spending time with us, he really learned about us. And after that meeting, he was really impressed with our our profession. He even wrote a blog about it. Wow. But, But at any rate, you know, we were chatting during a break at that 
conference and he said, Katie, your group, you guys in the nutrition field, you need to find a way to collaborate with the environmentalists. I, I don't know how to make that happen. I don't know how your fields come together, but they are talking about the same issues as you, but from a different perspective. And I, I really think you need to figure out how to connect with them. And so, you know, little did we know, but he was really spot on, you know, right on the heels of that. The very the following year was the launch of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, the, those 17 transformative goals to radically improve the world and focus on ending poverty and hunger and food nutrition security and sustainable agriculture. And so, you know, this issue of uh, feeding and nourishing a growing world population while preserving our natural resources, it, it really is the greatest challenge and opportunity, I think, for our profession. Yeah, and and clearly that's a passion of yours. and which led you to your next role, which is the Senior Vice President of Sustainable Nutrition at National Dairy Council. So really all of the roles that you'd played in the past were leading up to your current position. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what your current role entails? Um, and, and then we'll talk a little bit about sustainable nutrition. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, I think probably most of your listeners in Australia are, are familiar with Dairy Australia. And but for those who are not familiar with National Dairy Council, I'll give you just a little background. Um, NDC is a nonprofit organization in the U.S. It was founded back in 1915 by dairy farmers because they you know, truly believed in science and investing in science and educating about the importance of how dairy foods can benefit human health and, nut and nutrition. And so today we represent about 39,000 dairy farms and dairy farm families across the U.S., and so NDC supports a lot of educational outreach through our dietitian team. We have about 15 dietitians at our national office and about 100 dietitians throughout the country. And in addition to our dietitian team, our staff includes researchers in nutrition science and environmental science, innovation, and, and communications team. And specific to nutrition research, we in, invest in research and things like inflammation, cardiovascular disease, type 2 diabetes, uh, childhood nutrition. Um, protein, gut health, and so those kinds of things. And so we engage national partners and key health and wellness wellness professionals um, to communicate about dairy science and promote dairy stewardship commitment and, and amplify and raise awareness of dairy's contribution to health and sustainable food systems. So um, in the U.S., dairy is really seen, NDC is really seen as a credible and trusted source for nutrition and sustainable nutrition resources. And so, you know, as I said earlier, the NDC was a major supporter and partner with the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics for many, many years and, and the foundation. So I had worked closely with NDC for a lot of years during my tenure at the Academy. Um, the, the president of NDC was on the foundation board. And so I, yeah, I was also quite aware of the the leadership that NDC had in sustainable nutrition in that space. And so um, when I had the opportunity to, to join National Dairy in 2017, they were really ramping up their efforts in sustainable nutrition in an even bigger way um, than they had in the past. And so, you know, this opportunity to be part of, a, of this effort was really exciting. And so in my role, I'm on the front lines of educating and engaging and activating health professionals and national organizations and thought leaders on this very important topic of sustainable nutrition and the science supporting how dairy contributes to health across the lifespan and um, dairy, the dairy community's commitment to sustainability and stewardship. 
And as you said, sustainable nutrition really is the greatest challenge and opportunity for dietitians uh, in the next sort of decade, I think. How do you think we as dietitians can play a role in this space? Oh, yeah, I, I, I could not agree with you more. I think it is our opportunity. I think it's our responsibility um, for us in, in the nutrition community to be, to be part of this and to inform the dialogue. It's, it is a topic that's driven my work for the past seven years, you know, because it's so pertinent to our profession and to the world at large. And I mean, if you think about it, we are in an era of unprecedented attention on nutrition and sustainability on the global agenda. You know, again, um, nourishing a growing world population with limited natural resources is the core of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. And it's also uh, core to the decade of action on nutrition, which we are currently in. So it's clear that these same priorities to ensure the health of the planet and people and communities are, are reflected in um, the food trends of today. You know, companies are doing more and more to produce food in a way that's socially responsible. Consumers are expecting this. And that that sustainable diets discussion is happening at the local level all, all across the U.S. and around the world. And, and we know that the most trusted health and wellness professionals, physicians, and dietitians, and fitness pros, and culinary experts, they're, all, they're, they're changing the way they think about food. And this, this is a reflection of the growing segment of the population who are interested in making food choices that are healthy for themselves and for their families, but with the assurance that their food was grown or raised responsibly and sustainably. And so, you know, I think that means that there's this enormous potential to significantly accelerate progress um, in the space. And that is where dietitians are core to this issue. And and while we are core to the issue, it cannot be solved by one profession or one sector alone. And so we have to, you know, really look at nutrition and food systems from many dimensions that make up sustainability. Nutrition, yes, but also environment and social and economic. And that's where these the sustainable diets discussion often lacks consistency among stakeholders because if one or more sectors is missing from the the consideration, it really could result in significant unintended consequences, both for human health and planetary health. And, you know, I could give you a, a common example that, that maybe you've heard already, but, you know, if, our, if we thought that our dietary recommendations shifted from advising people to eat foods that are nutritious for us for optimal growth and development to advising people to eat foods based on what takes the least amount of land, water, and fuel to produce, we'd be recommending that people base their diet on sugar. You know, so this this is why we need that balanced discussion on the topic. It includes weighing the trade-offs, and it also includes looking at how science and technology and innovation and best practices um, can and and has reduced the environmental impact of growing and raising food. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting ride over the next few years, and um, I guess we watch this space and just to make sure that dietitians are involved in the conversation. Well, absolutely, and I think you know, as dietitians, we we are in that food space. It's not always core to our education and training, but we, we are close to it. Um, and we have opportunities to learn more about where our food comes from and how it's grown and sustainability and things like that. But I think we could also be true allies and advocates for farmers as well, you know, and farmers truly are the original environmentalists. <laughs> as it's true for dairy farmers too, you know, their livelihoods depend on being good stewards of the land and of their animals. And um, here in the U.S., milk is produced in every state, so you can imagine there's 
different types of dairy farms, big, small, high tech, low tech. But just as our profession has evolved, you know, dairy farming has has two. And just for example, um, because of best practices in dairy cow genetics and breeding and and their diets, uh, a gallon of milk in the U.S. can be produced today using 90% less land and 65% less water than 70 years ago. So, you know, we're um, getting better and more uh, efficient at how we produce food, as well as, you know, being more careful about animal stewardship and sustainability and things like that. So there's a whole host of ways dietitians can learn more about that side of agriculture. But, you know, all dietitians, regardless of where you practice, can and should have a role in this dialogue. And I think a simple entry point is food waste, you know, as an example. And, you know, on average, Americans throw away about a pound of food per person per day. That's like 1,200 calories per person per day. And so if you think about not only all of those nutrients that are lost, but all the inputs that went into producing that food, you know, the land, the water, the tractors, the fertilizers, the packaging, the transporting, storing, all of that. It's a huge waste of natural resources when we waste food. And as dietitians, we frequently guide our patients, clients, customers, you know, about meal planning or shopping with a list so we don't overpurchase. We advise people on proper food safety and storage, using leftovers, uh, proper portion sizes, all those things. And these are all typically done in the context of stretching your food dollar or for weight loss or for blood sugar control. But now we can also be giving this very same advice under the context of responsible consumption and sustainable nutrition. So I don't think it's too far afield to think that we can you know, own, own part of this discussion and, and certainly inform and be part of it um, along with others. That's a wonderful summary right there in terms of how we can all actively get involved on a, on a day-to-day basis. And that's certainly top of mind for dietitians in Australia as well. And there's lots of organisations across Australia uh, like Oz Harvest and Food Bank that help with those types of activities as well. Yeah, great. I'm going to now talk about your um, active volunteer life. So not only have you been employed with the Academy, but you've also been an active volunteer at both state and national level, including being the president of the Kansas City Dietetics Association. So what have you taken away from all of those experiences and why do you think dietitians should get involved in their national association and how should they go about doing that? (laughs) Well, very good. You know, I, I do think one of the best ways, maybe the best way, to make a difference in our profession is to get involved in serving, serving our profession through being a member of your professional association, volunteering for committees and leadership opportunities, donating financially is another uh, positive way to help. Um, you know, and in addition to supporting the profession, you know, you, you gain so much. I, I certainly have had many, many opportunities that have benefited my career and I've developed deep friendships from my network of dietitian friends and colleagues. So I think, you know, it's, it's our duty, it's our responsibility. And I think we, we also get a lot from giving back to our profession. I think it, uh, particularly with the younger generation that there seems to be a move away from being associated with the, the National Association, but I couldn't agree with you more that you know, you get so much from participating and being involved. I've certainly done my time both at Dietitians Association of Australia and, and the Academy and the same as you have taken away some amazing experiences and some valued friendships. So I would highly encourage all of our younger dietitians to definitely get involved with their local state or national association. Yeah, absolutely. What have been some of the most important things you think you've learned throughout your career? Hmm. 
Um, well, one would be to take chances. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think, you know, I think we're dietitians are very good at wanting to get things right. Uh, but I think it's also really important that we take chances. You know, I think uh, most of the adva- advances in my career were created by doing things I didn't think I was ready for. Um, I'll give you one example. I was given the opportunity to give a briefing at the White House with Mrs. Obama's senior advisors, and I certainly did not think I was mature enough, smart enough, polished enough, you know, for that opportunity, but I said yes, and it was really an amazing experience, so take take chances. Um, I think another thing I've learned is to be open to learning new skills. You know, I was really interested in, in publishing, but I wasn't sure how to do it or even where to start, so being vulnerable and not being afraid to ask for help and learning new skills re- really helped me to do that. And, I, and during my time at the academy, I think I was an author on like 14 papers. So that was a, a great learning experience too. And then I would also recommend staying curious and doing a lot of reading, staying current on science because it's always evolving. Yeah. So just say yes and figure it out later, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and any challenges that you've had to overcome and how you went about that? Oh, yeah. You know, I think uh, work-life balance is a challenge for all of us as busy professionals, many of us with family responsibilities as well. And I definitely haven't figured out a perfect work-life mix. And I think, you know, if you really love your work, it's hard to shut it down. Um, This year, I did create a list of things that represent me as I'm what I call living my best life. So I try to refer to that list to make sure I'm creating time and space for those those other important things. You know, family time is one of them, and so are doing social things. So one thing that we're doing uh, this summer, every Monday, my family is having dinner together and trying a new local restaurant. So it gets us that that good dedicated family time. We also get to you know nourish our foodie part of us and uh, support local restaurants around. Nice. I'm going to try to come up with a, a list or a vision like you're talking about. I think I, I need that in my life at the moment. So that's a yeah, great it's tip. helpful. Yeah. <laughs> and to close, just what's one interesting fact about you, Katie? Oh, goodness. Um, I am the first generation of my family to finish college. I'm the first to complete a doctorate degree. I don't know if that's super interesting, um, but I, I really love to bake. I'm a, a baker. I love to bake bread. So maybe that's another one. Yeah. All definitely dietitian. Foodie. Yes. You're a foodie as well. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Katie. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. And, you know, everyone knows in Australia that I go to Fincy every year and I love catching up with you and um, everyone that I've met through the academy. I try to meet meet up with all of you every year and it's it's a pleasure to to have worked with you and um, particularly Alison, the Chief Science Officer at the academy. So, Glad that we met along the way and um, look forward to seeing you later in the year in October at Fincy. Absolutely, we will. Yes, thank you. It's a pleasure speaking with you and and having the opportunity to um, talk with your audience. Thanks, Katie. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Dietitian Connection podcast. If you haven't already, we would love for you to check out the other episodes that we have available. We speak to trailblazers, dietitians who are doing amazing work within their practice and their businesses, and also those who have really changed and advanced our profession. There's a whole library to choose from. 
And if you did enjoy the show, it would be so great if you could leave a review for us on iTunes and also uh, to pass this podcast on to your colleagues and friends. Thanks again for listening.